Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. We see stocks headed for a cautious start today after the biggest two-day slide for global equity since June last week has left investors on edge. So today we're going to focus on exchange-traded funds, a collection of securities often seen as diversified and safer bets. What are some ETFs to buy as the stock market dips? That's our topic today. And who better to give us a tour of the ETF universe? It's huge than Freddie Lim, Chief Investment Officer and Co-Founder at Stashaway. Good morning, Freddie. How are you? Good morning, Michelle. Glad to be back. All right. Let's start with your views. Freddie, what was behind last week's two-day slide for global equities as you see it? Well, um, there's been a lot of talk about positioning. Uh, we call it positioning, uh, which means that we never really complain when things are up so much. That's positioning. And now we're merely giving back some of the gains and we are worried. <laughs> so essentially, Michelle, I'm saying um, this is just sentimental. It, it is short-term in nature. Um, it isn't, uh, we, we, I can say that, um, that the, uh, the central bank has really done a lot to, to buffer the markets. Um, but what happens in between, uh, we, we will not be surprised if you get a correction. But if you look long term, uh, things are actually getting better than before. Okay. So does volatility remain elevated for equities as the global economy struggles with charting a path forward with a pandemic? We know that Jerome Powell has said it's going to be a long road ahead for economic recovery and that interest rates will remain low for a long time. So what do you see in terms of volatility remaining elevated for equities? That's exactly right. The options market on, for example, the S&P 500, uh, we call them fixed uh, futures markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not complacent. Um, they're still pricing uh, volatilities at uh, the level way above pre-pandemic level. Um, and partly for that is because uh, we're heading into a U.S. general election uh, in November. Right. And lots of fireworks in the pipeline and the market is bracing for it. Mm, the markets don't like uncertainty. All right. So as you see, the correction that we saw last week is healthy and not the beginning of the end? Yes, it is a positioning-related issue uh, from so far the information we have gathered. Um, on the economic fundamental side, we are actually seeing leading economic indices uh, starting to rebound. Uh, to big data analytics such as uh, traffic data, uh, you look at China, you look at U.S., um, things are starting to get better. Uh, it is a slow grind, but it's not getting worse. Right. And where do ETFs stand in this market? Are you expecting certain ETFs to shine? For example, I was looking at the Renaissance IPO ETF that invests in companies that have gone public in the last two years, outperforming substantially up over 53% for 2020. Well, Michelle, you and I uh, happen to look at the same thing. Um, <laughs> the, the Renaissance uh, Capital uh, U.S. IPO ETF used to have a lot of Chinese names until the U.S.-China tension. So they came up with an international IPO version of it, which has about 40% exposure to Chinese names. And uh, it is a matter of subjectivity, but for investors who are looking for more concentrated exposure to China, 
then the international version provides a leeway. I see. So this international IPO ETF, is it going to contain some uh, of Ant Financial, perhaps the most anticipated IPO of this year? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I would, uh, however, caution that um, IPO, however the names, how good they look, right? Ultimately, um, they are very jumpy in nature. Mm. Jumpy. Mm. Yes. And uh, they come with uh, much higher volatilities than usual. Um, the success or failure of an IPO is dependent on liquidity in the market, momentum of the market, and generally considered a more leveraged play on the stock market. So investors should really uh, be aware, be mindful of that before they consider an IPO ETF. Okay, so was that international IPO ETF um, just one on your list? of ITO, ETFs to look at uh, with the present market? We have plenty, uh, especially at Satchway, we try to help our clients uh, diversify their holdings. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wouldn't just look at uh, a particular asset class like stocks. Right? We do look at uh, bonds and commodities and and protective assets like gold. And there's, there's plenty. Uh, ETFs are just meant to really track them well in yes. principle. Yes. yes. So can you help anything under the sun. Can you take a step back and help our listeners understand whether ETFs are just wrapping paper for bonds and REITs and how they work? Yes. I mean, that is essential. A majority of ETFs are meant to track a particular asset class and they tend to do so at very low cost. And the tracking error, which is how well they, they do versus the index, they tend to track them tightly. Right? Uh, however, not all ETFs are made equal. right? So we do have to select among the performance based on the tracking performance. Um, anything under the sun you can track now. You can even include teams like Asia population, so you get all the healthcare names, and mm. or you can have uh, ESG, environmental, social governance uh, driven uh, ETFs these days. So, so anything under the sun, the ETF providers are now helping us get access to. It's a democracy for investing. All right. And so when investors see the stock market dipping, they wonder, can they cash in on that fall? Can you uh, short an ETF? Or what are inverse ETFs? <laughs> uh, inverse are, yes, ETF designed to short the market, but the return profile of an inverse ETF is not going to be one for one. Mm-hmm. If the market dropped 10%, you're not going to exactly get 10% in return because um, it, it does cost the ETF fund managers money to borrow the stocks to short. So before you can sell a stock, you've got to own it, but you don't want to own it, right? So you have to borrow it from someone else who has it. Uh, it's called the repo, repurchase agreement, and that tends to cost you some money. So the return profile is not one for one. But yes, it's one of the ways to, to, uh, to diversify your, your, your profile. All right. So I understand inverse ETFs allow you to make money when the market or the index declines, the underlying, uh, but you don't actually have to sell anything short? No, you don't. You um, buy into the ETFs. Uh, the fund manager uh, does it for you. And um, However, uh, I would also want to caution here, uh, mm-hmm. there are some inverse ETFs that does it with uh, multiple X. So meaning they, they actually leverage, they provide you a, a 10X inverse, and that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. As in anything multiplied with a multiplier, um, it gets magnified. So try to stay away from the multipliers. Okay. So <laughs> does this mean you can trade and access liquidity with inverse ETFs the same way you would any other ETF? Well, in the case of an inverse ETF, you are betting that the market goes down. You're also betting that liquidity is going to go down. So in a way, you, uh, everyone else is sort of hoping liquidity goes up. You're doing the opposite. All right. <laughs> 
Help us understand the differences between ETFs on the SGX compared to ETFs in the US and the UK. Are there significant differences? In principle, no. Um, the difference is only market depth, size, and the number of names in a particular index. Mm. So in, on uh, our, fa- our favorite uh, Straits Times index has 30 names but 30 very good systemically important names, right? Uh, so it's more like a dividend-paying stock profile, um, very, very income-generating. Whereas if you look at the S&P 500, at the moment it's dominated by a lot of tech names, um, but it has 500 names. So there's, there's some fundamental differences due to the markets, but the ETFs is beautifully uh, trying to track them. All right. Our topic today is uh, what ETFs should we be looking at as the stock market dips? And helping us understand and unpack that question is Freddie Lim, Chief Investment Officer and co-founder of Stashaway. So everybody's interested in Chinese tech and wondering if ETFs can help them diversify their portfolio with some exposure to Chinese tech companies. What are some Chinese ETFs that have caught your eye? Well, I'm not here to promote specific funds, but mm. uh, I, I just did an exercise this morning searching on my Bloomberg terminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of uh, alternatives now. You have the uh, Crane Shares uh, CSI China Internet Fund. Uh, the ticker is Quake US. Mm-hmm. You have uh, 3173 HK, which is Premier China New Economy ETF. It tracks 300 companies listed in Shanghai and Shenzhen, 17% in pharmaceuticals, home furnishing. So that's new economy. Um, then you have the Invesco China Technology ETF. You have the Global X. You have the Guggenheim. Actually, there's plenty out there, and, and investors uh, should uh, uh, really spend some time to look at the differences in fees and tracking performances before they uh, they dive into it. Um, but I'm not going to try to promote specific funds here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when it comes to IPO ETFs, I was reading an interesting article that says this could be an investing fad and buyers should beware of uh, soaring IPO ETFs. What is your take on this? Well, uh, when times are good, it's um, easy to forget how volatile and jumpy these things are. And an IPO is a very jumpy event. You are betting that pre-IPO, the company is valued fairly. Uh, if it's already valued richly, uh, it can go very wrong. And a lot of, uh, I think last year, a lot of IPO post the event performances were awful. But this year is fantastic, right? Mm. So it's very bipolar, and um, the end financial one is really in focus. But again, yeah, great firm, but it's ultimately about valuations, whether it's already rich pre the event or. Or it's just uh, or just too much liquidity out there to 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 sub- keep supplying fuel to it, right? So it is a bit of a game gambling uh, nature, regardless of whether the companies are good. All right, let's turn our attention to a topic that's hogged headlines, and that's uh, the U.S. looking to ban Chinese tech firms like TikTok and WeChat. How do you think uh, increasing tensions between U.S. and China are going to impact the outlook for Chinese innovation as an asset class? It's a great question because it certainly, for now, has been generating larger volatility in Chinese tech names. Um, if you look at the China technology ETFs versus the U.S. equivalent, um, it has outperformed the U.S., but you start seeing larger swings uh, since Donald Trump's uh, stepped up his game into the elections. Um, however, if you look beyond the near term, it depends on who wins the election. Uh, if it's the Democrats, if it's Joe Biden, the Democrats, then it's about taxing the wealthy more than focusing on fighting China, then things can really turn around. However, uh, if you look at really, really long term, 
China is already uh, gunning for spending uh, one and a half trillion U.S. dollars over the next uh, uh, five years to 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 build to continue to enhance these ecosystems for 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 China technologies. So the U.S.-China trade rift is only going to make China invest more on its own on places where they lack uh, lack their muscles with, right? So overall, I think super long term is going to be the next Silicon Valley. So um, you, <laughs> so it's a matter of time frame. All right. All the world was enraptured when we saw um, Berkshire Hathaway step into gold miners company, uh, Barrick Gold. And then there was all this kerfuffling and lots of questions coming our way about ETFs and gold. What what can you share with listeners about the gold ETF market? Yes, there's a couple of versions of it where... Uh, some ETFs, they physically hold um, gold in a mm. boat of a bank with a certain quality and standards, and uh, they track gold uh, in its pure spirit. Um, there are some that replicate it through some sort of swap agreement. Um, uh, they don't actually physically own it. They are more levered. They are more paper-driven. Uh, those are the ones that, as a firm, we tend to stay away with. Uh, we prefer physical. Call me old school, uh, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> Uh, but the uh, on the gold miners that you mentioned just mm-hmm. now, um, in, investors in this case they are taking additional risk of explorations because the gold miners would be uh, they, they'll be risking some capital to explore for more gold. And exploration is a matter of uh, chance at times, right? Geological studies and all, but there's a bit of gamble as well, right? It's a probability game whether you actually get enough gold content in a particular area. So you're long the expertise and also the mining companies' operating efficiencies. So there's a lot more risk involved once you go to a gold mining stock ETF. Uh, but if you all you're looking for is to buy gold as a protective asset mm-hmm. to your portfolio, mm-hmm. then you should just do so with a pure gold tracking ETF, not the gold miners. Okay, got it. It's been quite a a year for gold ETFs, right? The six, gold is now GLD, the sixth largest ETF on the market with more than $79 billion in assets under management as of Monday. So it's very clear that ETF investors want to be in gold right now, right? Yes, huge flow. Um, we've seen a lot ourselves. Uh, way ourselves, we also use gold actively to to create protection for users. So it is a very, very interesting uh, asset class um, from my point of view. All right. Now, help us understand um, what Stashaway does for individuals when it comes to this ETF world so that people don't have to go uh, hunting and cherry picking for ETFs that that work in this present market. (laughs) Yes, uh, there's so much out there in Mm. uh, investing. It's overwhelming, right? Uh, Stashaway's uh, motto is to make it simple, transparent, and cost-efficient uh, for anyone, anyone with uh, any dollars. Uh, there's no minimum requirement. Just anyone can invest in a globally diversified portfolio that goes across a lot of asset classes with a click of a button. And you can withdraw the same way as well. There's no limits to how much you can withdraw, uh, how often you can withdraw, uh, or, or how often you can contribute um, so it's fully flexible, and uh, we're here to democratize in investing. Okay, and who's doing the picking of the ETFs in, in people's uh, portfolios that you put together? Well, the uh, ETF selections goes through a vigorous process. We have quite a number of criteria, uh, some set by our regulators in different countries, uh, some set by ourselves. And uh, once we fit it to the engine, the engine does the screening, and we would come up with a, a huge list. 
Um, and then from the huge list, we will, based on the latest market conditions, uh, mix and match the, the best ones that we think uh, can, can give you a very, very great, greatly diversified portfolio. And right. you're, you're, so, very, you're very open with your recalibration when you do it. You send that out to members as well, right? Yes. Um, actually, before any changes, um, clients are notified and uh, there will be explanations as to why. Uh, we are very transparent about this. So this is one of the three DNA of the firm. Uh, so uh, intelligence, transparent and cost efficient, the, the three things we want to do here. All right. Well, thank you very much for your insights and joining us today as we try to figure out ETFs to buy as the stock market dips, Freddie. Thank you. Freddie Lim, Chief Investment Officer and Co-Founder of Stashaway. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.